Hi, I'm Julian. I'm Tom. We're Team Binge, and today we are going through Episode 5, Season 1 of Ted Lasso. We are, believe, a Ted Lasso podcast, Great. which I was recently informed is just the perfect name for a Ted Lasso podcast. I came up with it. You did come up with it. You did an outstanding job in that brainstorming meeting with marketing <laughs> and marketing research. <laughs> And that one lady with the magic eight ball. The title of this episode is called Tan Lines. That comes into play in the episode. We'll have a long discussion about tan lines and their meaning to each one of us. Hmm. What's interesting about this episode is it was written by uh, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent. Oh, I didn't know that. So, you know, normal guys get credit like Brendan Hunt, uh, Bill Lawrence as well as Jason Sudeikis, but the main writer for this was Brett Goldstein. Gotcha. Themes of the episode, things that are important, that we are not just hit over the head with, but told by the announcers during <laughs> the soccer game, are the extra pass, mm -hmm. which is something that will carry through not only in this episode, but through the season. I know you haven't seen it, but spoiler well, alert. <laughs> also, the ending of some relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to spoil anything by saying... Ted and Michelle, as well as Keely and Jamie. Mm -hmm. And then the quality of being unselfish, mm. which I felt like last time we talked about accountability and we defined accountability by saying, like, being held accountable, which is not a great definition. That's all right. Because you should not define a word by its word. <laughs> so I had to look up unselfishness and I'm going to give you the dictionary definition wow. because I feel like these are the themes that are important in Ted Lasso. Unselfishness, the quality or fact of thinking about what is good for other people rather than yourself. Now, it still has self in the definition on that <laughs> one, too. Just about so to say. thanks a lot, Merriam Webster, <laughs> or whatever the name of the dictionary is. It is classier, though. I appreciate you doing that extra dive into, you know, definitions. It was super simple. It took me 30 minutes to Google it, read it, and write it down. No time at all. Start of this episode, we have our boy Higgins pulling mm. up into the weird parking lot of this facility. I will never get over it. So many parking lot. We meet his boys again who are in the back seat. His wife, we discover his wife is not a fan of Rebecca. Mm. This is just kind of a fun, cold open scene, essentially. I don't really know what the establishing with the family of Higgins is, but what it leads to some great physical comedy, which I'm sure you loved well, yeah. with Higgins and Ted Lasso. Well, yeah, because Lasso, he kind of comes in. I think he just says hi to Higgins or is looking the other way, looking at his phone, right. and then boom, bangs his head. What Did he bang his head? Like, was the gate kind of half down? I didn't really stop to look at it. Tom, I'm glad you asked that question, and I'm glad you're not teeing me up. <laughs> for something that we prepared for. Exactly. I'm pretty sure what that is, is it's like a security gate, one of those roll-down gates Just that they must down. put, and someone didn't pull it all the way up. Gotcha. Because I don't think Jason Sudeikis is a very tall guy, so no. I'm sure he's probably not the only one that hit his head. Well, but I think I, I like the idea of setting up Higgins like with his family. It's just getting more of that dynamic. Like Because you saw Higgins in the last episode, you realize, oh, he's a family man, because you had really no idea what his backstory sure. was. And I think setting this up and setting up that relationship, as they kind of touch later, that he has a very good relationship with his wife. And it's just like the little back and forth they do, kind of his love that he has with his kids. I think that is a, a keystone to uh, when Higgins talks about his relationship later. That's true. I guess it also is. That's right. That's what it's establishing because mm -hmm. he's been married a long time. I think the other thing it does a good job of establishing is why Higgins has stayed working for Rebecca. Yes. Because she make the wife makes the comment that because of you, we can afford to get the second car fixed. Mm -hmm. Also, it's important because one of those kids in the back seat it has beats head. Was he? I was going to ask. So that is extremely important. <laughs> Ted hits his face on the gate. It cuts to uh, the intro, which is just once again great physical comedy by Jason Sudeikis. Well, if I may, while we're talking about intros, do you happen to have five dollars to give me due to your intro at, bet? At this point, based on the bets, I've lost every one of them, and I owe you ten dollars. Do I have that ten dollars? Yes. Did we have to frantically pay the tooth fairy this morning at like six a.m.? And so, am I a little bit light on the ten dollars? Maybe. It is what it is. I will give you your money eventually. Stop pounding me, man. We'll find out. 
Then we're at Biscuits with the boss. Ted's holding something to his forehead because he's bruised. Being unselfish is taking the blame. Not blaming Higgins for calling for him while he walked through. Maybe it wasn't Higgins' fault. Maybe it is Ted's fault. Yeah, I don't don't know whose fault it was. Maybe it's Nate's fault. Nate's like the kit man. He's probably the first guy in. Maybe he didn't pull the door all the way up. You know what's interesting? There may be an overlap here because there there is a gag in Scrubs where Zach Braff is trying to go through the hospital door and the janitor, who's like his nemesis, Mm. is messing with it. And he's like, oh, maybe someone left like a nickel in there or something like there. And the janitor's like, so if I find a nickel, like, do I have you to blame? (laughs) So maybe the janitor, Mr. Janitor from Scrubs, just didn't show up to do the door. I like it. So we're at Biscuits with the Boss. Rebecca is listening to Ted talk about his (laughs) marriage because uh, Michelle, his wife, and their son, Henry, are visiting from America. They're flying in. Ted says he's distracted. Because he keeps checking the flight status. Mm -hmm. So that's why he was looking at his phone. He is sharing some issues that him and Michelle have had or are having. And Rebecca makes the comment of, are you sharing this with me? Because I opened up to you at the gala. Which I think is an unfair thing for her to do. Because he was very kind. He listened to her in her moment of crisis. He's clearly going through something. And she could not care. They get on the subject of Oklahoma because that's like their relationship safe word. Mm -hmm. You say Oklahoma, the person has to tell the truth. There's a funny bit where he's naming off the songs to Oklahoma. (laughs) She tries to engage by naming a song and he's like, no, that's the king and I. She had the wrong musical. I did verify she had the wrong musical. I was going to say that's an odd thing to like call out. I wouldn't have known any of the uh, music from that. Right, but he apparently loves Oklahoma so Mm. much that he knows all the songs. She apparently is a King and I fan. The one thing that stuck out to me as Ted is describing his relationship with Michelle is he quotes her as saying, my constant optimism is too much. So his wife is burdened by his constant optimism. Yeah, I think it's fair. You think that's fair? Yeah. Okay. It could be, it could be, like, so I'm not going to give anything away, but I think his wife's a bad person. I'm just going to say it. I mean, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into it. I think you don't see her perspective through all of this. Like, you don't know. We see Ted. We know Ted is a great guy and all that kind of stuff. But I can absolutely understand living with a man that is constantly optimistic or constantly, like, doesn't ever seem to be down. Like, I, that is going to be difficult because if you feel down, then you feel even worse because this other person is not meeting you at your level, whatever it is. So I think there's more to this than just your your opposed hatred of her. I don't hate her. Did I say I hated her? Yeah, well, maybe not hate. Sorry. Okay. You don't like. I'll go on record. I strongly dislike her. <laughs> okay. Well, my comment to that would be we know, Ted, when someone is down or like depressed, he is there, like, thoughtfully listening to them and trying to support them. Mm-hmm. So I understand, like, maybe someone being annoyingly optimistic, but I don't think that's, like, grounds for I don't want to be married I, to you no, anymore. No, I, I don't think that's ground for, like, their separation or anything like that, but you can understand how that could become too much, in my opinion. I think, like, if somebody is any direction if somebody's super depressed all the time super happy super optimistic whatever it is if somebody is like so overboard in one direction or another i think it can wear on somebody like a couple that's been together because i do think like and you don't i think you don't think this based on your comments but i think people can fall out of love like it is possible there's certainly still a mutual respect like her saying we'll get to it later on but like her saying that She's trying her best to, you know, still be in this relationship and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's that kind of flip flip the switch for Ted that realizes, like, she's trying to, like, love him now as opposed to, like, it's just not, it's not there anymore. That flame isn't there. I think that happens to people. All right. We got into this portion real early, which is fine. Yeah. I will not give my feelings away. I will save them for later. The only thing I will say is that if people take marriage vows, they should keep those vows and be miserable until they die. And be miserable. (laughs) I believe that. It's in the good book. All right. So then we find ourselves at Jamie's house. Keely is returning keys. Mm, 
Which we find out is Jamie's house. Is Jamie's okay. house, which is, I think, where they were trying on the suit and stuff. Because yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah. I think it's the same white kitchen and, and big glass mm -hmm. windows. If they were not made of glass, I don't know what kind of windows they would be. <laughs> There's another woman in the refrigerator. And by that, I mean opening the door to the refrigerator, oh, not inside the refrigerator. This show would have taken a dark turn if Keely came in and there was a woman in the refrigerator. Keely goes to get a glass of milk and there's just a, a, a Once body. again, Ted Lasso's solving crimes. <laughs> Jack the Ripper is back. So then they start to talk because Jamie comes out and Jamie acts like Keely's going to be mad at him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, not my fault you broke up with me and his charming <laughs> british accent and his black underwear briefs very charming little speedo outfit yes he looks incredible uh all the i don't know something to him <laughs> and so he says something like she says no i'm not upset we did break up although it happened yesterday 24 and hours. you're already within with another woman he's great he says how long is it met as a man meant to be alone what am I supposed to do? Shower by myself. <laughs> myself. I appreciate the uh, English twist there. Which is just great. He doesn't see any problem with it. Gives you a little bit more on Jamie. Keely thanks Jamie for helping uh, her get over the breakup. He says, you're welcome. <laughs> and he turns to this random girl and goes, I like to make people feel good. <laughs> which is just so great. And that woman is in kind of an awkward situation. But... We get a little bit of she recognizes who Keely is, and we're kind of finding that Keely is, I guess, famous in certain ways. Well, I mean, she's a model. Like, we see a little poster later of her, you know, shelling that coffee, vodka, or whatever. So, like, people, I'd imagine, are going to recognize her. Like, she may not be a huge model or whatever, like on, you know, I don't know what British fancy magazines are, but people recognize her. And she definitely, that new woman, felt a little starstruck. Sure. Then we're at the training. We have some great footwork from Jamie. I'm going to give you the floor. Jamie's <laughs> driving the ball down the field. He's doing a lot of cool stuff. I mean, rank Jamie's soccer performance on a scale of 9 to 10. Where would you put him, a 9 or a 10? So it's not so much Jamie's soccer performance as it is the other player's poor soccer performance. Oh. He's putting on some like moves and stuff, but like the comical poor defending of them just like, walking at him with like their legs open so he can hit it sure. through their legs kind of a thing but it was still good he definitely is a talented footballer would you compare those players to like when you watch an infomercial and they're like do you struggle to open a pickle jar and then it's like a person who's like really like slapping a pickle jar all around i think in certain scenes they do a decent job but like even later when they get to the actual game and there's more like you know, should be like a little bit more aggressive tackling and stuff like that. Like guys are absolutely letting up right before they get to him. So okay. it is definitely some of that. So sure. his foot footwork, you would give a 10 to the other players are just not putting up much of a, I can understand. Yeah. I can understand why AFC Richmond has given up so many goals. <laughs> their defense is poor. It's poor. Well, their defender, their star defender, Sam Obasanya is way up the field calling for, uh, the pass so that he can shoot and the key part of this scene is Jamie does not pass to Sam mm -hmm. he kicks the goal himself you were about to say something about our star defenseman Sam Obsanya I'll give you the floor again <laughs> I just was gonna ask is that do we know that's his position he is a forward I know Ted later says like hey we're moving you to midfield so I guess he kind of has to be a or sorry defender defender well we in like the pilot episode, they make the comment, the one bright spot of this is we saw the defense of Sam Obasanya. Okay. So my assumption okay. is, listen, in soccer, I didn't know there were positions. <laughs> I thought there was a goalie and then 10 dudes that ran around <laughs> on the field. So I'm learning about positions. But my assumption was that Sam is a defenseman just based on previous comments. Okay, that's fair. Jamie will not pass the ball to Sam. Mm-hmm. Kicks the goal himself. What's so great, once again, some physical comedy. Ted steps in the way, catches the ball as it's clearly going in the net. Jamie says, that was going in. And then, uh, yeah, Ted's like, well, we'll never know. We'll never know. We clearly would have known. Like, you can clearly assume it was going in. But just as a matter of fact, well, we will never know. It was great. And then Ted is trying to talk to Jamie about taking the extra pass. Uh, them as a team mm -hmm. like passing extra 
we get a little bit of a window into Ted's eating habits where he talks about it is strange this peanut butter thing is strange okay like right. i like i love the idea and obviously roy really loves this idea which i oh, think yeah. is great so you know he says he keeps an open jar of peanut butter just on the counter is like one of his references so he had to explain it to the group i don't know like i feel like having an open exposed okay condiment okay is it a condiment uh, no it's not a condiment it's a meal it's not a meal. So I think you a and spread. I or a spread. We say spread. Sure, a spread. Thank you. Sure. Like when someone's like, "Oh, they put out a great spread, like a meal." Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you spread on, so, on your toast. No, I do not spread peanut butter on my toast. So on you, jelly? you and I, no, you and I are going to disagree a lot on this episode <laughs> between the relationship stuff. And really, I mean, the peanut butter stuff is probably the crux of it. <laughs> I don't necessarily leave the jar of peanut butter, like, open on the counter. But I will grab the peanut butter and, like, eat it by the spoonful. When so you use I'm... a spoon, though. You don't just shove your finger in there like Lasso does. Well, I have a family of, like, seven children and a wife. So <laughs> I'm not going to shove my finger in the peanut butter jar. But I will use a spoon to eat directly from the jar. No. Where we got from here was he makes a comment that Sam was as open as the peanut butter jar on my oh, yeah. counter. People know that. People okay. watch the episode. I if feel you're like... watching this, you've watched the episode. You get what I'm getting at. Okay, I feel like you're upset about this peanut butter thing. I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. Oh, I didn't know I was doing this with my dad. <laughs> great. No, I, like, I think the, the, the bit is great. I just leaving an open jar at all times. Like, does peanut butter go bad? Like, if you just leave it out exposed? No, I don't think peanut butter can ever go bad. But like I, honey? I will agree with you on the lid thing. Okay, thank you. It is a, it's a little strange to leave. I'm fine with leaving a jar of peanut butter on the counter, but I would definitely put the lid. That's just Because, weird... like, a bug would fly in there. Yeah, you don't want that. Like, even our butter that is out, we put a lid on that. So that is where the bugs stick to. Yeah. So then Jamie makes a comment about Sam. He says something rude about Sam's skills. He's like, even when he's open, he's terrible. And then Sam, so great. Just yeah. the act of himself. He runs in. He's like, oh, I heard my name. Beard's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, the way Beard says, don't worry about it. I just love Sam. Like, he just comes in. He's like, I mean, he's he seems like an elementary school footballer playing on the He's like pitch. a golden retriever, I yeah. think I've described him before. <laughs> he's just so great. He just kind of comes in. He's just super excited. And people are talking about him. I heard my name. I heard my name, guys. He's great. <laughs> So Ted talks about extra practices. He says, we're not leaving here until we get it right. And then his family shows up at the other end of the field. And he's like, practice is canceled. And, and then he takes off. Yeah. And then, of course, there's that little line where Beard has to kind of mention. Right? Nate and says, just... though, he doesn't realize how far that run is. And Beard's like, you know, he loves a metaphor. He's like, metaphor. Yep. <laughs> it's great. And once again, we get to see Ted Lasso's cardio, which is constantly on display when they're running laps, when he's running across the field. It's funny when he gets up to his family, he says, <laughs> man, I really thought you guys were going to meet me halfway. Because again, I think it wasn't even, it's not like the Rebecca situation of her like hurrying to the sure. door. It was more, he wanted that metaphor, like that long shot of both families coming together. Right. That's what he wanted. All right. And then we meet Michelle, Ted's wife, and his son, Henry. They're at the <clears throat> training pitch where he is just sprinted over to them. We just see he's a good dad. Like he has jokes with his kid he spins him around i guess that's not a definition of a good dad no, but he's, nailed it. Good he's, dad. Clearly, <laughs> he's clearly engaged his son's excited to see him yeah you rate the the level of the dadness by the kid's reaction yeah and the kid was super excited. yeah he's like his hero yeah. he's excited michelle who is ted's wife is played by the actress andrea anders did you recognize her from anything no so she's someone that I saw, and I was like, she looks really familiar. And when I looked up her IMDb, I actually expected to see her in, like, more things that I knew her from. Mm -hmm. She did, like, some guest spots and stuff, but the show that I mainly knew her from was a show called Better Off Ted, which was, like, a workplace comedy. I've heard of it. With Portia de Rossi, uh, another dude, and several other people. Ted. And they did a show. Yes, one of the characters was named Ted, but not Ted Lasso. So... It was a show that is actually quite funny, but she was the main person in that one. Gotcha. Then we have a quick conversation with Rebecca and Higgins about tickets not being sold. Mm -hmm. And this is important because Rebecca explains that the team is at... Yeah, facing relegation because they've had four straight losses. So they're getting towards the bottom of the table and could potentially go down to the lower league. 
if they keep it up. And I think we've discussed this before, but real quick, regulation or relegation is... Relegation is, so there's multiple tiers of English football. So sure. the AFC Richmond plays in the Premier League, which is considered tier one. Uh, the lowest, I think it's bottom three or, or bottom two teams get relegated to the lower tier. And the top two teams of the lesser tier get promoted to the higher tier. Oh, I thought it was only one team. No, so there two are, teams. There are multiple teams. Yep. Okay. Well, that's going to come into play later on. Then we find ourselves in the <laughs> spoiler alert in the press room. <laughs> We're going to find ourselves in the press room where Keeley has arranged a, a sponsor. I, I don't want to say sponsor program because it sounds like he's an <laughs> AA, but he could be man. Maybe he should be. Uh, Jamie is promoting a beer. Uh, I don't remember the name. It's something very German. Mm -hmm. Ends with Stein. <laughs> and then we see he's just being Jamie in front of the cameras. He makes sure they get a picture yeah. of his. Got to expose those tattoos, which uh, he says is Chinese for arm, which is <laughs> just great. Fantastic. Uh, but I did a little dive on the Internet, and apparently the two symbols he has is more closely resembles sunset. Okay. It's day and fall. Sunset is better than arm, yeah. but arm's a better joke. But it's just better that the fact that what the actual Chinese on his arm is different than what he thinks it is. It's kind of that classic thing, like, you know, a tattoo artist will give them just something that looks neat in Chinese. Right. Like writing, whatever, but means something completely different. He does a great impression of a brunicorn, <laughs> and then he does a beerby. A beerby. Beerby, yeah. which is his beer baby. <laughs> I had to put that in parentheses so I remembered what it meant. In the back of the room, uh, Keely and Rebecca have a moment where Rebecca is concerned that Keely and him have gotten back together. I love Keely's line to like, Rebecca, I'd kiss you on the mouth right now if you weren't so tall, but I'd have to climb <laughs> that mountain or whatever. Yeah, she's so like, great. if I could reach those lips. <laughs> then Rebecca talks with Keely and offers her a job to help find sponsorships for yeah, the club. So awesome. she recognizes that uh, Keeley is good at bringing sponsors and people together. We discussed it a little bit earlier. At one point, Rebecca asks Keeley what she does, and she says something like, I'm famous for almost being famous. Yeah. It's kind of thrown out there. My question has always been, what is Keeley's actual job? My assumption is that she's what people would call an influencer. Yeah. So she's got like an Instagram following because mm -hmm. she takes modeling photos and looks good. Well, and we saw those early modeling pictures that she had in Jamie's locker, the more risque ones, and like sure. wondering if she does that for kind of maybe some more of her influencing stuff. The other photo shoot we saw her was just kind of promoting a, a vodka. Right. So I'm assuming, yeah, she's just kind of a, a jack of all trades, does a lot of different thing. And that's why she's like, she hasn't hit it big. She's not like a, on a big modeling, she's on the cover of magazines, but but she's she's getting there. So based on her wardrobe, because she wears a lot of like cargo pants and things with zips, my <laughs> assumption is that she was in like a girl band, Spice Girl adjacent when she was much younger. Mm. And then she just kept the wardrobe and she's been wearing it for 15 years after the band broke up because... I think they were the Sugar Gals. The Sugar Gals. I, I love the Sugar Gals. <laughs> Yes. I like the theory. I like the theory. Give her a backstory. So then Ted takes his family to the friendly oh, the pub. pub. Love that pub. He I love these pub hooligan guys. Right. <laughs> I, I wish I drank more beer because I would love to go spend time at the pub, throw darts, and have a pint. The three fans, I know that the tall black dude's name is Paul. Paul's great. I love Paul. One is like Gaz or some Baz. Baz. Yeah, he calls when he comes in. B-A-Z. Yep. Baz. So Ted walks in. They insult Ted in front of his family. <laughs> uh, Baz tries to save, but Ted makes a comment. She's a coach's wife. She heard, she's heard it all. Well, even she makes like a comment about like, ooh, good save. Right. But yeah. The publican, the nice older lady that runs the pub, they're called publicans. <laughs> hands henry some darts says hey you know go have fun don't hit any regulars <laughs> which is great Ted, and what does he do not three seconds later once i sit down at the table boom hits paul he sticks paul in the shoulder and uh a great dart moment any type of dart violence i'm a fan of it immediately reminds me of shot of the dead where sean takes one right to his head when he's trying to kill his zombies you remember that bit? I remember Shaun of the Dead. I don't remember that scene. I think uh, Nick Frost's character, he like literally takes, um, or no, it's like one of like the lesser uh, friends, sure. uh, the, his girlfriend, and they're like, gives him the darts, like, oh, use these. So they throw it and then like misses him. And then he's like, oh, this is good. Gets a zombie in the head. And then 
like falls over or something and then gets uh, Sean right in the head. And yeah. it just and it's Sean when he yanks it out of his head. There's just a little flirt. It's just fantastic. <laughs> I love those movies. What I noticed with this conversation with Michelle and Ted mm-hmm. is they sit at this pub. They have been married for I'm gonna say what they said at least ten years because yeah. they're boys at least eight. Yeah, fair. They sit at this table and they talk like they have never met before. It's like very awkward. It's like. She is like attempting to make small talk about whether or not the fish and chips comes in newspaper. Mm-hmm. I just, I guess they're trying to show that it's awkward between them yeah. or like there's like a breakdown. Well, but I just seen, felt like. Yeah, I, I mean, if you haven't seen your significant other for a while, and obviously the uh, circumstances of them kind of splitting apart and kind of giving her, giving her space. I imagine that first initial meetup is going to be awkward because like you're clearly not in a great spot in your relationship. And I think as we find out later, she's she's trying her best to kind of make this work. And that's why she kind of gives a little joke and kind of sets Ted up for kind of a one liner with the fish stuff. But, you know, I think she's struggling internally and we haven't really seen that. And this is kind of the first time where you can kind of see see her side a little bit. So that's how you that's how you took it. You didn't think it was just like weird. It's definitely weird. It's going to be awkward again. Like mm-hmm. Ted didn't leave and, and leave his family behind um, because he wanted to. He left because he was giving her space. And that's not leaving on great terms. So when you're first coming back together and sitting down and trying to talk through it, I think it's going to be a little awkward. Mm. Okay. I've had the experience where I've left my spouse for a long period of time. and But did you leave your spouse because you were like in a rough spot? Like, no, you left your spouse because you were going to work or you were yeah, doing other well, things. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Let me ask her next time I okay. see her. In six months when she comes back, I'll, uh, I'll ask her that question. <laughs> then we, Keely and Jamie, are walking down the hallway. It's after the photo shoot. Jamie offers to go over the photos after the photo shoot, and he wants to do it naked. He clearly wants to still have some sort of physical tickling, <laughs> hugging relationship, I'm assuming. I don't know what Tickle adults bites, do. Yeah. yeah. And he, she makes a comment about making sure none of the crap photos make it you know, public. And he does the great line where he's like, there's not going to be any crap photos. And Boys he points at himself which is wonderful. I feel like what we're just doing kind of throughout this episode, like the audience already knows how much of a jerk Jamie is just based on everything we've seen thus far. But I think they're trying to set up like at the end of this episode with kind of how this progresses, they're trying to just keep like pounding and pounding how much of a jerk he is. Mm. And I think this is just continues that. Right. We're reinforcing that she's made a yeah. good decision. <laughs> then she's, Oh, they end their conversation, her telling Jamie that she doesn't want to, hook up with him or, or essentially hang out with him play board games i don't know <laughs> roy overhears this from down the hallway he decides to stick his nose in their business for some reason by agreeing with keely that she shouldn't hang out with jamie he mm-hmm. says something like i'm forced to hang out with that guy you do it by choice and she's like well we broke up and he's immediately excited yes. by this news mm-hmm. One would say even aroused by this news. Yeah, the camera was above the waist, so we we can't tell for sure. I don't understand that reference, but <laughs> I'm going to move on forward without breaking stride. She informs them that they've broken up. Roy does this very funny thing. Well, she's she's like gets on him for getting in her business. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, anytime I make a decision, I'll make sure I run it by you, Roy. Yeah. And so she's walking off and he's trying to kind of explain himself. And in pure Roy fashion, he's like shouting down the hallway. And he's like, well, today in training, uh, Sam was wide open and Jamie wouldn't pass to him. Like he's So trying... that's what I've got to deal with. <laughs> like he's trying to justify his poor actions yeah. by something that happened at practice, which there's really no correlation, no. but it's just great. And then she ends up like texting him something about yeah. got... can I use go use the toilet? Yeah. And a little toilet emoji there too, good emoji right. work. My question is, how does she have his number? They're they're friends, they're chumps. Maybe they hang out. Are they friends? Once now, again, they seem like I say they just because I feel like there should be a reason, but there is no reason. Like if Jamie and him and Roy do not get along, there's no reason that they would go on these like 
double dates right. or anything else. Like when Jamie confronts or when Roy confronts Jamie in that club that one time, Keely was like very surprised to kind of see him. Right. So maybe maybe uh, Roy's like Keely's emergency contact. Yeah, see, that doesn't make any sense to me, but I understand the joke and yeah. I thought the joke was very funny because he mutters good. something like, yeah. oh, that's pretty good or something. <laughs> I think he just says, yes, yes, you can. Right. <laughs> And so then we're with the lassos at Ted's flat. They're building a double-decker bus out of Legos. We go into like a dream sequence where Ted is having a lovely time with his wife and son, and everything's going to be good, and she's going to stay, and they're going to be in love forever, and Henry's going to have two parents that aren't divorced, and he's going to turn out just fine. Have you had the pleasure of having to build Legos recently? Uh, no, my son is still too young at this point. He plays with little Duplos, so we kind of call those Legos. They're just massive Legos. Sure. Um, but no, we haven't built, like, a full-on set. I would. Sure. I believe you have with your... Oh, they your consume son. your life once yeah. you open a package of them. <laughs> Some well-meaning aunt or uncle will give your kid Legos, and it'll be like, hey, there's four million pieces in this set. <laughs> and then you're building, like, the Hogwarts castle, and there goes your Saturday, your Sunday... And then you don't show up for work on Monday <laughs> because it hurts so much. Well, but but. looking at like the packet that Ted has for this bus and like the bus is big, but I mean, I've seen bigger Lego sets and like it is a seemingly a long journey to get through. Oh, this. yeah. What I remember as a kid is we just had like a bucket of Legos oh, and it yeah. was like build whatever you want. Nowadays, there's like a booklet that tells you every move to make to build something. And then what I find is like once it's built, it's just kind of like a model now. It's yeah, not like do? yeah, you can't like play with it as much. Right. So, so that's what our parents did. They probably just threw away the instructions, throw it all in a bucket, and then said, "Have fun." A scathing indictment of Lego. Come at us, Lego. <laughs> so then the next morning, Ted goes out to get breakfast. There's this funny shot of the poster that's yeah. on the window. And, and we did find out that the little uh, the guy was in the green suit was ending up being the lion. <laughs> What's a so CGI yeah. lion? So <laughs> it's Kafka vodka, the caffeinated vodka that she's selling, which sounds delicious. Isn't Kafka like a Kafka esque? Isn't that like a writer or something? Or like a I feel like it's a famous somebody. Not spelled like that. I think it's with a K. Kafka, Kafka. I mean, it sounds familiar. There should, was Charlie. Look that up. Charlie Kafka, the famous comedian. No, nope. that, no, nope. that's Robin uh, Williams. Jim Carrey. Mm, Jim Carrey did play Robin Williams in one hour, <laughs> one hour photo. You're right. Then Ted comes back with a scone, which he gives his kid. He's like, "Hey, it'll suck all the spit out of your mouth," which is wonderful. <laughs> we think his wife Michelle is lovingly looking out the window. But instead, she is weeping because she's dying inside because she's having <laughs> such a tough time living with such a wonderful man. No, that's not what she's that doing. That is exactly what's happening. No. She doesn't appreciate Lasso. She's like level negative three at, of Damn. the Lasso church. Gosh, you're so harsh on her. I just don't understand, Tom. I, I don't think understand. she's she's battling her inner demons. She's, she made the trip out here with her son. She knows how good of a relationship he has with her son, how good of a man Ted Lasso is. But she just knows she's not in love with him anymore, and she's coping and trying to deal with it. Ted is a handsome man. I don't, I don't understand Listen, what the issue I love is Vegas. here. He's handsome. He's funny. He's generous. He's he's a, probably a generous lover. If you mix those two but see, together, not everybody wants that. Oh, hundred percent of the time, all the time. Interesting. I'm just saying, man. Like, okay. there's a lot of people in this world, and a lot of people don't want that. All right. Well, let's put up a poll like Rebecca. On Do you our... think Rebecca and Ted would have a relationship that would be successful? I think that Rebecca could not <laughs> do better than Ted Lasso. <laughs> like I, I get it. Like Ted is an awesome character, and people strive to be him. But like relationships are a different thing, man. When you're living with somebody twenty four seven and that kind of stuff, and raising a kid, like I, I don't know. I mean, we're we're both married. We have relationships, but. It's, I can understand it. We just don't have a lot of the backstory for Michelle. No, I completely agree with you that we are great examples of people that are in <laughs> loveless marriages that are just struggling through. You're right. I agree. I, did not I, say that. I know that's exactly what you said and meant, and I will go along with it. So she makes the comment that uh, she's struggling. She says, I keep waking up hoping that I will feel like I did in the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
Um, she apparently doesn't realize marriages are hard or work or any of those things. And they always naturally devolve into loveless partnerships. But that's just what marriage is. <laughs> and that's what the good book intended. So it's just love. It's broken up by Henry coming in with no pants and a jersey on. We <laughs> yep. find out they're going to the game as a family. Uh, it's a great moment. And you can clearly see that Ted is upset by uh, Michelle and and. I get, you know, feels bad for her, but obviously he wants them to work out. Yeah. We find ourselves in Ted off Ted's office where the brain trust mm. is slowly <laughs> gathering, which is so great. So Ted is expressing his marital issues to the two guys you want to express your marital issues oh, to. Yeah, totally. Coach Beard and Nate. Nate has a funny moment where he's like, marriage, you know, it's so... We don't know. Nate's not married? No, Nate's not, okay, married. not married. Never been married. Because okay. he goes... He goes, marriage is so complicated. And, and then he like immediately abandons ship and he's like, I don't know. I've never been married. Beard, have you ever been married? And Beard makes this noise, which I think I can copy pretty accurately. Oh, man, uh, goes, that is you. Beard, have you ever been married? He goes, ha! <laughs> Something like that. Sorry for the mic spike, but you're welcome. That is that is you to a T, man. That is, that is your laugh you do when you get a good... Yeah, when something hits me hard, yeah. there's a, 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 a punch of a laugh that uh, happens. I've been made fun of before for it, but it's who I am. <laughs> so then we oh we find that Beard is not one for long-term relationships. Nate's never been married. Most of my notes just repeatedly say I don't like Michelle. So <laughs> I don't really know how to expand on this. I know there are intric intricacies with relationships. I know like we're only seeing a part of Ted. I understand that, but I don't think from a like a show perspective or a writing perspective, they have really made the case as to why Michelle should leave. That's yep. probably my main point. Okay. I feel like it's a it's a story point that they make. And if you don't pay too much attention to it, you're just kind of like, OK, the marriage is dissolving. Mm -hmm. But like if you really look at it, like what is Ted doing or. I, I don't know. No, I'm with you. I, we've touched on that with some of the other stuff about like, you know, Ted coming in and flipping Roy and, and having him be the first domino. Like they only have 10 episodes in this arc. They want to tell a specific story in this season. Like if they would have just flipped Roy immediately after two episodes and then everything just starts to become hunky dory, it's it would be weird. Sure. And I think you can equate that to what's happening with Michelle in this relationship. Like they want to explore it with Ted. They, at the end of this episode, they want to end it. They want to move them off in their own separate directions, but they definitely don't allow it to breathe and see more of Michelle's backstory like they do with a lot of the other characters so we at least get a sense where they're coming from. And sure. I think that's to, to like what you said. That's your point. I think to my point is we just don't know enough about Michelle that the show hasn't shown us enough to be able to, I think, draw such such strong conclusions sure. about her character. I guess I just needed a scene of Ted like, like unruly he's doing lines of like barbecue <laughs> sauce off the counter and he's like losing his mind and she's like no not in front of our boy and his like a barbecue sauce just smeared all over his nose and he's like i can't get enough that's gonna be a great deleted scene like flashback sequence of yeah that. but we don't get that so it is what it is what's so funny is higgins comes in he's like oh i'm excited to be invited into the brain trust they bring him down under the guise of he's looking for his phone. Which I don't understand. Why did Beard have his phone? Did he steal it? Did he leave it out? I think this is just another way the show is trying to tell us that Higgins is a bit incompetent. Yeah. That he has lost his phone. Beard finds it. Beard's great as he hands it back. He's yeah, like, I love Beard. It's just the cons consummate, like, hey, it took some apps off to optimize performance. <laughs> and then, of course, Higgins is like, oh, well, we didn't take battleships off. Oh, he took it off. That's okay. I shouldn't be playing it as much anyway. It's just awesome. So I love great. it. I love Beard. And so we find out Higgins, and you made the right point in the beginning, is that why, why we see Higgins' family in that scene, I think, is to reinforce this moment where Higgins explains that he's been married for 28 years. They have five boys, three dogs, and a 20-year-old cat whose impending doom will emotionally and physically <laughs> destroy me. Yeah, oh, so great. That's such like, good writing. That, that did, like, turn a quarter on me with Higgins. Like, he, he, I did not like him in the beginning because he is just that yes man, but you know he was probably doing it for the money, and now that they showed his family, they, they love for animals, all that stuff, and he's just kind of holding it together for his family. Like, I'm definitely turning a... Uh, 
a page on. Uh, so it, it's his love of a dying cat that has turned you of animals, correct? Oh, yeah. interesting. Animals okay. and children. Funny physical comedy bit. It's very subtle. You got to pay attention <laughs> to it. Is Nate is kind of sitting on this taller shelf while they're talking in the office, and Higgins goes <laughs> to like sit next to him, but the shelf is just a little bit too tall. So like Huggins, Higgins kind of struggles to like get his rear end on the shelf and then he just kind of gives up and sidles back in front of the doorway but nate's physical comedy in this where he's kind of going to the side giving him room oh. and then realizing he can't come off he kind of comes back nate's physical comedy greater okay. than higgins okay i also found out that nate hates cats so there you go and wait nate hates cats yes Did you say it no, I'm trying. We're competing with the two. So um, oh, you said Higgins it. turned you. Flew over my head. It's fine. No one will hear this. It'll all be edited out. <laughs> Higgins makes a very poignant point because I think Ted, you know, asked him about, hey, have you guys been through rough times? Mm -hmm. Higgins says, did you not hear what I just said about <laughs> the cat and the five boys in the little house? And he says, if you're with the right person, even the hard times are easy, mm -hmm. which is a great line. And I think true to the most part i mean i think hard times can just be hard times but yeah, obviously there, being but... with the right person uh helps out quite a bit mm -hmm. so then we find out that 999 <laughs> is their 911 that's a great bit i love right. how they like just dissect the ridiculousness of it being 999 where toddlers can easily just tap that on a phone and then nate and higgins both like making eye tag like yeah that actually explains a lot i think we just solved it why that happened so much that was good sure this brings us to game time. They're in the locker room. Roy gathers them all up. They do the one, two, three, hands in. I again, think that's how that works. I have to say again, like Roy, just like his mannerisms and stuff like that, he seems kind of awkward. Like he's not like, he you doesn't think he spent like a, a lot of time in the locker room. <laughs> I don't. I do not think this is an athletic man. I love him as a character. I love the actor. I do not think he's an athletic man. I'm going to agree with you <laughs> because there's a moment where he goes, everyone hands in and just the way he moves yeah. and does it yeah no it's super awkward he's <laughs> never gotten a group of sports people together to please don't come at us brett goldstein you're a wonderful man ted who is kind of we see him fraying a little bit just mm -hmm. what's going on with his personal life gets on jamie he's like jamie why didn't you cheer with the team why mm -hmm. didn't you put your hand in and jamie just kind of tells him off he's yep. like listen uh, I will continue to listen to your yeehaw BS, BS which is great when he says yeehaw. I'm going to ignore it uh, because this team is tragic. Mm -hmm. And Jamie points out, I score all the goals. Everyone's here to see me. Yep. Like, I don't care about the rest of you, essentially. Yeah. He's, he's given up. Like, he's he's had the conversations with Ted. You thought he might be a domino that flips. Like, last episode, Roy and him sure. seemed to get some kind of dynamic. So, like, is he going to turn? And this just solidifies it. Like, nope, he is all in himself. And again, the episode is just constantly reiterating how much of a, a jerk this man is. Right. The reason he's not in is he's taking a selfie, which I just feel like maybe Jamie is what our culture has become. It's just selfie, well, self, go on. selfies and not cheering with the team and all about you. And if you can, you know, be an influencer, then that's what that's what's important. I feel like that's what... Fox News has told me society is now. <laughs> so we're or Ted and Jamie are interrupted because Henry comes in. Henry's excited to see. Yeah, but like, like to your point, like it was right before Ted was just going to rip oh. him up. And yeah, Henry comes in and they have that moment where like Henry's super excited to see like his idol right. uh, because he doesn't know this, this guy. He's just a sports guy on TV. You know, Ted is just the look in his face as he's like signing the jersey and all that sure. stuff. He's just like, man. This is not the kind of guy you should be looking up to. So if Ted Lasso was not the coach of Richmond, AFC Richmond, do you think Henry would have any idea who Jamie Tart was? An eight-year-old American boy. I mean, if he plays soccer, yeah, he could be. He, okay. It could have been a team. Probably not. But, well, I take that back. Like, if you like uh, Lionel Messi or a lot of these, like, famous soccer players, you know, I would imagine younger kids know who the famous soccer player is, but probably won't necessarily follow the club. Okay. So I think maybe there is, in a, if he's that big of a star. Sure. Jamie, before Henry comes in, makes a comment that all the people are going to cheer for him. Oh, man. What a great. And he does <laughs> Jamie Tart. Baby Shark. As Baby Shark. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the floor. Go ahead, Tom. I mean, I do have a two-year-old, so we do listen to this song very often. Yep. So Let's hear it. He no stalling. Here we go. And... 
Jamie Tart do 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 Jamie Tart do 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 Jamie Tart do 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 Jamie Tart. Boom. That was great. Thank you. His little hip thrust thing that he does is at Ted is just beautiful in all sorts of ways. Anyway, so we see Henry is excited to see Jamie. You can tell Ted is annoyed because his son like sees this guy as his hero, and Ted knows that he's a dirtbag. Jamie, very kind. He just knows how to turn it on. He turns yeah. it on for the kid. He yeah. signs his autograph. He's like, hey, when I score a goal, it's going to be for you. But he can't help himself. He's like, it's also going to be for me. Also it's going to be for us. Yeah. <laughs> he signs it. He walks off. He says something like, good lad. And then he calls, I feel like he calls Beard good boy or something like that. Or maybe he just says it to get it Beard too mm-hmm. as he's passing him. They walk. Uh, Henry out onto the field, and we have game start. And you can just tell Ted is not excited that his son is celebrating that jackass. Mm-hmm. So, start of the game, real quick, we flash to the pub crew. <laughs> like, as the commentators are setting up the game right. and all that kind of stuff, right. it flashes to the pub. And, and Baz screams something at, <laughs> at Ted Lasso. And Paul goes, Nice family, though. <laughs> yeah. And Baz is like, dang it paul don't humanize him i love that line which is a great line because yeah people always just love to vilify it and never like to think yeah people are people like when all these people in the stands are calling him wanker like this is a guy he's right. a family he's and, a yeah. family <laughs> love paul during the game i felt like they lean really heavily on the announcers like the announcers are doing a lot of heavy lifting not only like for game stuff but like story stuff in the mm-hmm. show which part of me appreciates how they like wrote that in because yeah. those guys are both soccer announcers like real soccer now great voices right? yeah yeah they mm-hmm. lean heavily on them to kind of explain some some plot points like jamie tarts going in for it is he gonna pass that's yeah. typically a rhetorical question with jamie tart <laughs> yeah. and then jamie kicks a goal once again rate jamie's soccer playing please uh i mean it's pretty solid again i think in the the game this is the first game we've seen like like i think legitimate footage of playtime we might have seen like a, a sure. highlight or something but um definitely very poor defending but again i understand the show is not about the soccer it's about explaining the story of how much of a jerk uh, jamie is we see unselfish jamie scores the goal and then just keeps screaming me pointing it. at his jersey which is wonderful which is great because like a, a common football celebration is like guys pointing to their badge on their jersey so sure. they'll literally hold their jersey point to it like yes this is my club i'm happy to play for them but then you've got guys like this. And he is not the first soccer player to do this. There's other soccer players that oh, do Oh, in that. real life. They will point to their back of their jersey and do it. It's, would, a, it's a Ronaldo thing. I Cristiano would, Ronaldo will do this. Oh, really? Yep. I was just about to make a comment. Like, growing up in the 90s and late 2000s when I was a young lad, <laughs> I can remember, like, players in the NFL and, like, the NBA being, like, super arrogant and being known for, like, that type of attitude. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as our culture has gotten more, like, not accepting those types of of characters, all these players are, like, coached on how to give an interview. They're all like, man, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to have my teammates. We play to win. We play hard. Give 110%. Yeah. I really miss the days where a guy was like, well, I went out there and did it. I don't know what my team was doing, but uh, I really handled it. Like, I miss those villains. Like, your Deion Sanders, or I'm trying to remember Dennis other Rodman? ones. Dennis Rodman? Yeah, like a Dennis a Rodman. Those guys that just were, like, all about them and gave great press conferences. I feel like we need to bring that attitude back, not just in sports, but in society in general. Well, I feel like it's it's more brand management. Like if you do that, you're less likely to be able to get those sponsors and make that extra coin. That sure. was probably more, I guess they didn't do as much back right. then. Right. Tide's not going to throw money at you if you're a jerk. <laughs> we then come to a scene where Sam Obasanya gets injured on a play. He's down on the ground. Oh, man. There's this great moment love where Jamie steps over him to go get the ball. Roy confronts Jamie, and he's like, check on your teammate, <laughs> which is great. And then Jamie, just honestly, I mean, terrible human, <laughs> great moment. <laughs> he goes hey sam i'm gonna have to like roll you over because you're in the way <laughs> and he flips sam over and that's uh, when roy gets set off yeah and, then they go at it roy yeah. and jamie go at it no for no forehead pushing though no uh, legitimate like push fight i had so. the same thought i thought they might go forehead to forehead but 
this is odd to me. Like the, the commentators make a note of this has actually happened before. And it wouldn't surprise me that teammates going at it ended up getting cards. So they both get yellow cards for this. Right. From what they see in this scene, there's nothing to really warrant that. Like, sure. They're not like they weren't if they were head to head, like we talked about last episode. Like, yeah, that could be a, a reason for a card. But when it's players just kind of going at each other, I don't think they would have done that. But anyways, it was very funny. A yellow card, you don't get tossed from the game, right? A it's yellow card is like a warning. If you get two yellow cards, is that yeah. a red card you're out? And yeah. then do you are you suspended for the next game? Am I remembering this right? Uh, I don't know. They might have changed that that rule in the Premier League recently where you're not necessarily no i take that back i think you still are you're suspended whether it's for the too next yellow game. or a, an automatic red you're suspended for the next game okay got it as well as out for that game and your team has to play down a man for the rest of the game wonderful moment roy being the leader that he is goes <laughs> to help sam up and sam's like it stopped hurting but everyone was making <laughs> such a fuss that uh i i just stayed down and roy kind of pushes them back down and he's like listen I want you to get up, <laughs> act like you're injured, gesture like you could bravely play on. And Sam does that. And just the way everyone reacts. Uh, it's the announcers, man. Oh, the, the announcers, announcers like, yeah, they carry oh, that. He's so brave. Look at him coming up. He still wants to stay and play for the team. Yeah. And it's just funny because I think this is why generally Americans don't like soccer is all the flopping and stuff. And I think you kind of see it a lot more now in other sports more prevalently. Like I, I see like the NBA finals. There was a whole lot of guys just flopping it's they part don't of the game in the bas in, in in the basketball in <laughs> in the basketball as we call it here uh i feel like flopping and like faking like they do that thing at the three-point line where they like throw, throw their, their arms up yeah uh, it's it's like gamesmanship at this point but so and which i don't is not fun yeah and i don't mind you trying to do that to get a foul what i don't like and what i think a lot of the american audience does not like is guys falling to the ground holding onto their leg and like the camera will go on there and they're in just utter agony, agony like sure. like their leg is broken like right. something massive has happened when they get up three seconds later and you could see it if you if you're an avid soccer player like or soccer watcher it happens all the time you can tell when a person is genuinely injured right. versus not because they'll do that little thing where they'll kind of ah, kind of grind their teeth or whatever right. and yeah do kind of what Sam did with the little limps and stuff. So it's annoying, but I love how the show touched on right. it. Right. It's a great moment. I didn't actually feel like Sam flopped. What I felt like no, Sam did, I, I feel like he, he was initially hurt, but I just think he stayed down longer oh, 100%, than yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah. And once again, Roy, just trying to be a good good captain, kind of gives him the, the coaching of, hey, they're going to love this if you do this. <laughs> yeah. Great. And as you mentioned, yeah, the announcers really, really hammer home uh, what's going on. And then they, it's another scene where Jamie is driving down the field. Free oh, it's kick. a penalty kick. Yes. Yeah. No, not a penalty kick. It's a free kick. Okay. A penalty, There's a difference. A penalty kick is where the foul occurs inside the 18-yard box, and it would just be the player shooting. And the goalie. From, yes. Okay. player shooting 12 yards away and the goalie free shot. This is a, a, a free kick right outside the box. So, like the announcers mentioned, Jamie can go for goal. He can shoot, which he probably should in this circumstance because he's that close to goal. Right. Or he could cross the ball. Um, so, again, the announcers are saying, will he pass? Of course he won't. He's Jamie. He's going to shoot and go on frame, um, which he does, and he scores a second goal to tie it up for the team. Right, which is just great Jamie Tart soccer mm -hmm. playing. Yeah. Wonderful soccer player. <laughs> I can, I'm trying to remember what sets Ted off in order to go. I think it was, was it him going, kind of doing the me, me, me thing again? I don't remember why it sets Ted off, but Ted ultimately, we're right before half. We're yeah. like a couple of minutes before half, which is another thing that I have questions on. But he runs up. We see some great cardio from Ted Lasso. Yeah, runs up to the box, says hi to his son and wife, and then says you know, to Rebecca, hey, I'm going to pull Jamie Tart out of the game. I just want to make sure you're okay with it, which is funny because I don't think a premier soccer manager would ever do that. No, it's really, it's kind of weird to me. Like, I don't get what they're doing with this, in all honesty. I don't think he needs this. I think sequence. the moment is to show that, like, Rebecca recognizes that, hey, this is bad for the team in terms of it's a silly thing to do, but she just wants Ted to implode and the club to implode but i don't think you need it i mean it's by the end of this episode when she's like kind of fake happy for them winning when she doesn't want them to win i think that sells it enough you don't need ted going up there okay it's kind of funny i guess for him running up into the stand right, yeah or he could see his family and talk to his family mid mid game right. but i think it's a unnecessary scene okay well i loved it it was my favorite scene of the show 
I love that Ted then comes down. Oh man, this line to the ref is so great. Go he ahead. Just, yeah, he just says, "Hey, highlighter," because <laughs> the guy's in a bright yellow yeah, shirt. Yeah, a lot of the refs are generally they don't have a specific color they always wear. They'll generally wear just a different color than what the team okay. teams are. So if there's a team in all yellow, which is kind of interesting because they're playing what looks like to be Watford. Uh, who is a team that is yellow, but they're wearing just a lighter color of yellow. Okay. Generally, they'll be in something completely different, so you don't mix them up. But Got just it. a great line. I'm definitely going to call refs highlighter. highlighter. So then he subs Jamie out. He tells the ref they put the numbers up. What's so funny is the reaction of the player that's going in. His name is Roberts that is going to replace. He looks at who he's replacing on the board, and he's like, what? Why are we taking Jamie out? So they pull Jamie out. Roberts goes in. Jamie's clearly upset. Before this happens, when Lasso gives the numbers to the to Highlighter, Beard like <laughs> sees it, and Ted walks over and stands next to him. Beard gives them this look kind of like, are you serious? Are we doing this? Like, All right. We're and then he goes, okay. Yeah. And you can kind of tell like, Beard respects the guts and understands that, hey, Jamie is a bit of a cancer on this team. Yeah. And so if we cut him out, you know, I think he agrees with the decision. Ultimately. I think I think he does. But he's also a little bit hesitant because, again, as we know about Beard, he wants, he to wants win. to win at all costs. So he knows Jamie's going these last two goals, like is taking him out right now the best idea. He knows probably long term it is. But, you know, he maybe struggles with it a little bit. But right. Beard's on board. Yep. So then we find ourselves in the locker room at half. He subbed him right before half, which I think is interesting. Can Jamie come back in in yep. the second? Once you're subbed out, you're subbed out of the game. Correct. Interesting. So they walk in. Jamie Tart's kit is on the floor. Nate picks it up, throws it in the basket. Ted gives a speech. He's like, hey, game's tied. Congratulations. But we as a team are broken. We need to change. And then he gives this whole speech about how changes uncomfortable mm -hmm. but necessary for growth he equates going through puberty <laughs> and some of the changes that happened during that time and he describes a teacher of his <laughs> that he started to feel squiggly inside about <laughs> and talks about he's like the first time i noticed tan lines and that's where we get the title of can i ask though it's an odd name to it's a throwaway line to call the episode tan lines does that have some kind of deeper meaning or like double entendre that i'm missing no i think it's just because that's the story he tells at a okay. pivotal moment in the locker room okay i don't think i didn't look it up but i don't think email us if we miss something <laughs> yeah. here or send us a myspace <laughs> message but she's a, a striking woman not classically beautiful but striking i love that <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> So then the team, you can kind of see, enjoys his speech. He's telling them, hey, we've got to embrace change. And then you can kind of see as he's talking that he is also talking about his wife. He's that, clearly, yeah, you know, uh, molding worlds and stuff. Here yeah, together. He, thinking that, hey, for him, change is going to be uncomfortable to not have her around, to mm -hmm. not be with her. But <laughs> if that's what she needs in order to be happy mm -hmm. is letting her go. Uh, if that's the only way to truly make her happy, then, hey, we've got to change. And when he says her, the team all kind of like perks up and they're like, her. What? Uh, his line is like, by her, I, of course, I, I'm talking about lady football. <laughs> and then Beard in the back, good save. Good save. <laughs> which is the second line, the second time they use good save. Before they go out, he's like, uh, Sam, we're going to move you up to midfield. You can explain to me what that means. Yeah, so he, like we kind of talked about moving him up to midfield, so he's getting him more involved in the attack, I'm the assuming. Okay. Um, uh, but I love what Ted does here at the end, too, where he just kind of helps solidify like the team coming together. Like, we need change where we're at a crossroads right now, and he has the team like, I need everybody to look at me while I say this. He doesn't say a word. He just turns and just bangs on that believe board. And it's just like, like just from like a sports standpoint, sure. like, I love that. That's yeah, a cool yeah. emotional moment. And that's kind of indicative of what, um, you know, Notre Dame is famous for doing that. They've got a science as we uh, play like champions today. I'm probably sure. butchering that. But it's like something like champions. And they all hit that as they're leaving the locker room. So I really love that. It was a really cool, powerful kind of sports moment. I agree. Gave me goosebumps. <laughs> if you get to watch it again, watch Isaac's reaction on the bench. Uh, he overacts the hell out of the moment and acts like a gunshot went off. He's like on the bench, like flailing wildly. He's so excited by the hand slap. Good job, Isaac. Incredible work. After he slaps the board, what I really like is 
Roy and Sam walk up to the whiteboard where Beard's going through the changes. And if you listen, Roy says, I never really liked Tart to Sam. And Sam goes, we know, Roy. Yeah. Like, Roy acts like it's a like he was able to keep it a secret that he didn't like Jamie. <laughs> when they fought on the field, they fought in the locker room Constantly. the last game. Yeah. Um, but I never really liked Tart. <laughs> Good secret. We cut to the the game time. Someone, I don't know who it is, takes the extra pass to Sam. Mm-hmm. They score the winning goal. They win the game. Once again, a very cool sports moment. Sam gets the winning goal. The extra pass is there. Hey, be unselfish. Mm-hmm. Make the extra pass. It's going to work out for the group. And it works out for them. And then the crowd is cheering for <laughs> Ted and Beard. And Beard says something like... Yeah, I just love the way he kind of says, where he he hears them all still saying the same thing they've been telling Ted all over and over again, just wanker. But like wanker. the way they're saying, it's like, same word, but different. But different. I it's more it. of a cheer. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit more love in the air, yeah. which wins bring love. So <laughs> Ted says something. Yeah, it's kind of like when in the 90s, bad meant good. In the 80s. In the 80s, in the forgive 80s, me. Yes. In the 80s. It's like when bad meant good. And he's like, who was the president? Like Beard's like, who was the president back then? Ronald Reagan. The actor? He just gives this great uh, Doc Brown impression, which is great. And Doc Brown is from? From Back to the Future. Back to the Future, sure. Yeah. I knew that. Didn't have any uh, issue remembering that. Did you not get that reference when I first said it? I did not the first time, but by the third or fourth time I've seen the episode, I realized what he was doing. Yep. But the first time I watched it, I, did, I didn't know I what impression it. he was doing. Classic line. Henry... Ted's son runs onto the field. Dad, what's a wanker? What's a wanker? Uh, well, Ted, and then Ted has to delicately say what a wanker sure. is, where he says, uh, it's, it's a man who likes to be alone with his thoughts. Alone with his thoughts. <laughs> and then we're in the final sequence where a couple of different things are happening. Once And, and they do this almost at the end of every episode. It's like I'm the Full House style kind they're, of they're, ending. They're cutting to like three different scenes. Someone's talking over it. Really, you know, emotional moment. Ted's talking with Michelle. Uh, releasing her from her obligation to try and feel something for him. Yikes, that's one way to put it. Jeez. <laughs> we find out that they met in school, and he makes some comment about what are the chances we would have met in a parking lot, which is then cut to the parking lot of the stadium. So mm-hmm. as he's making that comment about their good segue, I didn't catch that relationship ending or their relationship that is ending now. It started in a parking lot. We find Roy and Keely. <laughs> And Roy is like, hey, and Keely's like in the trunk of her car. She's clearly scared. <laughs> and she says something like, uh, well, you snuck up on a woman uh, <laughs> in a parking, in lot, a parking at lot at night. Because he's like, oh, did I scare you? She's like, yeah, Roy, you did. That's really good, though, because I didn't I didn't catch that at all. Like, so Ted told Michelle, like, that's where their relationship kind of started. Yeah, he makes the comment that who would have known back at school, we would have been like the only people in that parking lot that night. So that's, that's how they that's really cool. I, I, I didn't catch that. I love that because, again, like this kind of starts setting up Roy and Keeley to maybe have some sort of budding relationship. Sure. Unless Ted gets in there first. <laughs> but it also shows the selflessness selflessness of Ted. He is willing to let his wife go. Uh, she is going to go selfishly be happy elsewhere without him. Um, but he is willing to he is willing to be unhappy and let her go so that she can be happy. I well, don't. But I don't. Uh, I, it's fine. You don't have to agree. <laughs> but it's the truth. And I believe. But it. do you think long term Ted would be happy in this relationship if he knows how unhappy she is? I think Ted's going to be happy no matter where he's at. So, yes. All right. That's fair. I mean, it's it, like reality, they took this break. It's fair. It's, yeah. She's going to be unhappy. He spent, has to spend the whole time like trying. Eventually, that becomes like resentful. The person I feel the most for is Henry. Yeah, their that's kid, tough. Because well, and Ted left. He left to give her some space, but that's got to be incredibly difficult for him to leave his very impressionable aged son for you know. Right, time. right, but he does make a point of the person that the idea for him to leave was the wife and their therapist. Those two <laughs> yeah, were yeah. the ones that were like, oh, she needs space. Why don't you go to England? Yeah. So once again, Ted's great. Everyone else is crap. But so can I ask you, though, like, oh, we're not going to sum it up there. Well, okay. no, we, well, you get, get to the next line that uh, that you hate. Oh, well, 
Ted says something like, I swore I'd never quit at anything in my life. Mm -hmm. And his wife says, <laughs> and I can't say this with any seriousness because I think it's, she's like, Ted, you're not quitting. You're just letting me go. Semantics. You're <laughs> quitting. You should stay together and be miserable. At least for Henry's sake. Yeah, I mean, so I get it. Like, we talked about it a, a handful of times here. This is kind of rushed. We don't understand really what's kind of going on. Well, we understand what's going on with the relationship, but I understand you don't like the way it's played out. But I, I have to ask you, were you... Did you just hate this scene so much because of like? Oh, I love the scene. Was it not emotionally resonating with you? Because like I teared up watching the scene because I thought Sadakis acted the heck out of this. I thought they're back and forth like in the rain, like we're seeing now, seeing some like real London here where it's just raining constantly. But I just thought the scene was shot so well, regardless of whether you think this was earned or whatever. Like I was absolutely tearing up watching it. Jason Sudeikis does an incredible job. Michelle does an incredible job. They're both. I mean, no, the scene emotionally resignate, rose from the ashes. No, no, no. It, it affected me yeah, very yeah. much so. But I just, as I have evaluated the relationship and why it's ending <laughs> from what we're given from the show, mm -hmm. you know, his, just the fact that he's like, oh, it, you know, it feels like quitting. And she's like, no, you're just letting me go. <laughs> I, I'm just bothered by her. Yeah, but the scene itself really well done. No, still emotionally affecting, and that's why, like, I'm upset for Ted. <laughs> I am upset for Henry. I don't know what she's doing, and maybe that more more of that will develop. You know, maybe we find out that Ted does have a barbecue sauce habit, and like he, <laughs> you know, had to give away the second car, and he was taking the tithe money and spending it on. Because that's what we want in this show. We want our our main character, who's an optimistic, awesome guy, to just. At some point, become a monster. Sure, exactly. <laughs> for that sweet Kansas City barbecue sauce. But no, they they both do it. Forgive me. They did it. They do a great job. Mm -hmm. The scene was affecting. I just, I don't understand her. But that's fine. Relationships are messy and weird and yep. very complicated. Nate, Nate said it very well. Nate did say it. Nate says most things very well. Yeah. <laughs> but I also like to, to just kind of button up this emotional scene was the music and i believe was it mumford and sons it sounded like that same singer that does the uh yes it is okay. it was mumford and sons the song is called forever so mm. forever by mumford and sons or apparently just some of the time apparently according to michelle right you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> oh ted would laugh at that <laughs> The best part of it is Ted, clearly affected, sees his son off, sees his mm -hmm. soon-to-be ex-wife off, and who shows up to comfort him? The man, Beard. Coach Beard shows up with a pint. They sit on the bench in the rain. I don't know if this is a thing, but they cheers, and then they touch their glasses to the bench. Yeah. Is that a tradition or something you're aware of? I didn't. I didn't look it up. It could just be like a cheers through them. I don't know if it is a... I'm sure there could be some other meaning behind it. I feel like I've seen it in other places where I, they cheers, they I touch, agree. and then they. So maybe If you were a better podcast, weird. you would have looked that up beforehand. No, we're going to leave some mystery in this. We're going to let our audience be the sleuths. Send us the answers at teambingepodcast at gmail.com, please. The episode uh, ends. The one thing I did want to mention is Hen Henry is playing soccer, and this is a very important point. While the two parents are talking, Henry is playing soccer with the girl um, that Ted has played soccer with that Earlier. we've seen, that character's name is Shannon. Boom. Mystery solved. I feel like there's you're, you're really hyping Shannon a lot here. Is she going to continue to be a big part of this show? Maybe Shannon joins the team. I don't know. All right. We'll I see. don't know. Uh, that is the end of this episode. I obviously expressed some frustrations <laughs> with some of the character motivations yeah. in it. Uh, still very good. And, and obviously, like, making ted more complex i'm interested although i've seen it i'm interested in revisiting the next episode and how this is going to affect ted coaching the team because mm -hmm. all this like personal stuff will bleed into it's gonna still weigh going on. on like we've seen in the show it's like this is a very emotionally resonating sequence for ted and if we start the next episode where he's all just happy and go lucky sure yeah that's definitely going to take away what they did and built so much in this episode so 
Yeah, excited to keep uh, this journey going. Next week will be episode six, and Tom is going to give us the name of that episode. Everyone go out and watch. I believe it's called Skit Scat Scoodle Doot Flip Flop Flea. Okay, uh, he will now spell that for you so that you can look <laughs> it up. Thank you for joining us. I'm Julian. This and, is... And I'm Tom. Thanks for joining, everybody. We're Team Binge. We'll see you next week.